Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for November 26th, 2017. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Amy Jacks Dean, co-pastor with Russ Dean at Park Road Baptist Church. Her sermon today is entitled, Scattered, Smothered, and Covered. this co-pastoring thing works. When I say to Russ, would you give us a solid timeline of the Old Testament from the Exodus to the Babylonian exile, and he gets thrilled. And then I look down, and literally the first sentence of my sermon is, I love the Waffle House. (laughs) That's why we work. That's why we work. I love the Waffle House. It's cheap. It's good. I don't need a menu. At a place named the Waffle House, it seems to me that one ought to stick with the waffles. But a quick search of their website indicates otherwise, and I quote, it's the hash browns where the Waffle House really shines. The Waffle House hash browns come six ways. Traditional, scattered and smothered, scattered, smothered, and covered, scattered, smothered, covered, and chunked, scattered, smothered, covered, chunked, and topped, and finally, scattered, smothered, covered, chunked, topped, and dice. There you go. My sister-in-law and her cousin worked there one summer while they were in college, and they still tell funny stories about their days at the Waffle House. Most of the stories they said I could not tell in church. But my sister-in-law did remember that they had to study the book of ordering phrases so that they could yell them to the cook. So it's hash browns, and they yell to the cook, scattered, smothered, and covered and the cook knows exactly what to do. And Adair said they were constantly adding new varieties to the hash browns that they had to memorize. Scattered, smothered, and covered is the way to order hash browns with onions and melted cheese, just in case you wanted to know a heart attack on a plate. The others include ham and tomatoes, if you need to know that as well. But the phrase, scattered, smothered, and covered, came to me as I studied this text from Ezekiel. We've spent the last months following the journey with Moses and the children of Israel from Egypt to the Promised Land. And what a journey it was with its ups and downs and sorrows and joys and mistakes and accomplishments. They finally arrive and no more get there and settled and then they mess up again. It's called being human, I guess. But through it all, they had been together. That had been the most important thing. They were together, guided by God through Moses and Aaron and later Joshua, and God was with them every single step of the way. But then, as Russ told you, some six or seven hundred years later, they found themselves exiled 
in the Babylonian exile. And they got separated. The text called it scattered. They had relied on each other. They had leaned on each other. And they had taught every generation after them to do the same thing. But along the way, they forgot who they were. And they forgot who God was. And now they are living in exile, scattered in a foreign land, and God steps in to save the day. Again. Don't you remember that's what God did? When the children of Israel were in captivity under the Pharaoh's rule, God set a bush afire and called Moses to lead the people out of slavery and into the freedom of a land of promise that would be flowing with milk and honey. Starting back in September, we have made our way through this whole story. And they reach the promised land and there's such great rejoicing. But in the grand scheme of time, six to seven hundred years just isn't very long. And we find ourselves right back where we started. Only this time in exile instead of captivity. And so this time, God says, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. I will rescue them from all the places to which they have been scattered. I will bring them out. I will gather them. I will feed them. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak. I will feed them with justice. With all of this shepherd and sheep talk, we are reminded as we read through that passage from Ezekiel of some lines from that most famous psalm, which is most often read at funerals, but it's not about dying at all. It is very much about living. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then there's all this talk of green pastures and still waters and leading on the right paths and walking through dark valleys and preparing tables and goodness and mercy following us for as long as we live. It's not a psalm about death. It's a psalm about God and us in our living. Since the very beginning of the story of the people of God, God has been about gathering people together. It is who God is. It is what God does. As Russ told you earlier, every word of doom has a corresponding word of hope. We certainly need to remember that in this day where every time we turn on the news, there is some new doom and gloom or some old doom and gloom that just keeps getting repeated over and over. And I believe it is up to us, it is up to the church to offer that corresponding word of hope. Nobody is going to do it if we don't do it. For every word of doom and gloom, it is the church's responsibility to offer a corresponding word of hope. 
that will take a lot of work these days. But this 34th chapter of Ezekiel's prophetic voice is that word of hope about a God who gathers people together. If indeed Ezekiel was right that God had been a part of the scattering of the people because they forgot who they were and who God was, then Ezekiel was most certainly right that God was the one to then smother and cover them as well. You see what I did there with the scattering and the smothering and the covering? It's not just for hash browns. It is who God is. It is what God does. One of my favorite images in all of the Bible is found in Luke's Gospel. When Jesus is just about to enter Jerusalem on his final journey, and Jesus says, How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. I love that mothering image of having the brood together. I have determined that so far, the very best thing about the empty nest is Thanksgiving break. Gathering my chicks back into the nest where I can protect and nourish and nurture them is who I am. It's what I do. I know that my job includes helping scatter them into the world. You don't always like all the parts of your jobs, but I know that's part of the job. But it's also my job to make sure that they are smothered and covered, too, with my love. They probably can't wait to get back to school today. <laughs> One commentator says, what is of most importance in this scene from Ezekiel? is the recreation of a viable community. Care for the individual members of the flock, seeking the lost, tending to the injured, strengthening the weak. It's presented here as a reversal of all the injustices that had been inflicted on the flock. The recreation of a viable community. It is the job of the church. I may know how to smother and cover the scattered in our home for Thanksgiving, but do I know how to do it for the whole wide world? Do I use my influence and my privilege to smother and cover the scattered within the circles that I run? The world seems so big, and I seem so small. But there are places in this world where I hold the power to take the scattered ones and smother and cover them with the love of God. When I but look at all the ministries and missions of which our church is a part, the possibilities seem endless. And I think we often look at all of those possibilities and just feel overwhelmed. And then our sense of overwhelmed paralyzes us and often we end up doing nothing except feeling either defensive or guilty. We don't 
have to save the world. That's God's job. We do have to do our part in the nooks and crannies and corners of the worlds in which we live. Maybe it's at Sedgefield Elementary or some other school. Maybe it's at the Urban Ministry Center. Maybe it's with Room in the Inn. Maybe it's in our own community garden. Maybe it's in a prison. Maybe it's in Cuba. Or maybe it's in Haiti. Maybe it's at Crisis Assistance Ministries. Maybe it's at your place of work. Maybe it's in your own school. Maybe it's in your neighborhood. Maybe it's right here on our campus within our church family. Maybe it's at Habitat for Humanity. Maybe it's at Friendship Trays. Maybe it's at Hope Chapel. Maybe it's at your own house. Wherever you are, wherever you find yourself, that is likely the place that needs the love of God that looks like a shepherd that tends his flock, feeding them, finding the lost ones and bringing them back into the fold, giving them a place to graze, providing water. Wherever you are, wherever you find yourself, that is likely the place that needs the love of God that looks like a mother hen gathering her brood under her wings, providing comfort and protection and rest for the weary. We can do this. We can be God's shepherds and God's hens. And if we all did just our own small parts, it would change the world. So I texted my sister-in-law, and I said, I've got this crazy sermon title that I got from the Waffle House. You work there. You tell me how this relates to the love of God. And she finished my sermon for me with her reply. She said, I remember feeling a little out of place at the Waffle House, not just because Beth and I were the only college students that worked there, but because all the other waitresses and cooks were a close-knit family. They didn't have anything, but they helped each other out. I remember one waitress babysitting the cook's children so that she could come to work. And I remember another waitress waiting at the Waffle House for an hour or more after she had gotten off work because another waitress needed a ride home when she got off for work. I remember us all giving some of our tip money to another waitress whose husband had left her with two small children. She used her Waffle House money to pay the rent, but then she didn't have any money left for diapers and formula. Another of the cooks was the ugliest, most redneck boy I had ever been exposed to in my life. He was so redneck and country that I couldn't even understand what he was saying sometimes, and when I could understand him, he was crude and downright mean, but he was the one that suggested that we take up the money for the waitress in need. So apparently, scattered, smothered, and covered, ended up not having anything at all to do with hash browns, onions, and cheese. 
It had to do with tending and protecting and feeding and taking care of each other. My hometown is Clinton, South Carolina, and it's located on the interstate almost exactly halfway between Columbia and Greenville in the upstate. At one time, this was known as the busiest exit in something like South Carolina or the whole Southeast, I don't know. So Clinton, at the Clinton exit, they built a Waffle House on each side of the exit. I guess it's the best place to smother and cover scattered. As we come off of this Thanksgiving weekend and head into a season of Advent waiting to prepare for the coming of the Christ child again into our lives, maybe we should all make a visit to the Waffle House to just remind ourselves of what the love of God really looks like and acts like all smothered and covered. I will do what I always do and order a waffle. But this time, I might consider adding a side of hash browns as well. May it be so. Amen. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Today's podcast was produced with production help from Hugh Ashcraft, Brian Smith, Bruce White, and Rich Dower. Our theme music was composed by Brandon Michael Williams. Thanks for listening today. Grace and peace to you. Thank you.